Many songs about champions can be sung today and over the past few weeks across different leagues in Europe. Guys, in today's episode of the Jersey Wall podcast, we're going to talk about the things that champions of Europe's top leagues did right this season. We hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode number 195 of the Jersey Wall podcast. As always, I'm your host, Mr. Nathan Sanchez. So with me today, I got Joe. Joe, hey, let's get right into it, my friend. We are the champions, <laughs> my friends. Wow. Dude, Dude. It's a, it, it almost feels like I planned this on purpose, that the champions episode happened to be on City's Coronation Day. And to be yeah. honest, this game was way less significant than i thought it would be right like watching Mm -hmm. that arsenal versus forest game yesterday i thought obviously that arsenal were going to win and that we would have to win the league today by beating you guys yeah but the hangover that took place after city saw that arsenal lost meant that today had to just be a very lethargic game because the job yeah joe welcome to the show that's the stage for today we're going to go across all of europe's top leagues talk about the champions what they've done right what they've done wrong and those still looking to be crowned and what they can do boy I'm freaking excited, Joey. How you doing, man? Man, I feel like shit. Uh, this has been a terrible <laughs> season. You know, congratulations, of course. You guys uh, do deserve it. Um, thank, you, thank you. That's that's the second part on my list. But uh, yeah, listen, uh, I'm mudded. Uh, banter era has begun. But uh, at least I saw my team lift the Champions League. I'm happy, you know. I can get that tatted, I guess. Two of them. Like that, huh? But, uh, but yeah, l- listen, the last okay. time Chelsea competed for a league, we won it. But that was 2016. So I think we're like kind of <laughs> out of the picture in this one. Um, but uh, congrats, yeah. Nathan. I mean, you three-peated the league. You're like uh, Michael Jordan and uh, Kobe and shit. That's pretty good. Joe, back yeah. to back to back. That's three, yeah, Joe. That's yeah. not just, but it's not just three, right? It's it's five in the last six years. It's seven in the last ten years. It's like the the era of dominance for City mm-hmm. has feels like it's it's at its peak. But Joe, is it really at its peak? Is this the peak of City, or is this just the era of City dominance, and we're only actually in like the third or fourth chapter of it? Uh, Where are we in, in the City dominance era? Honestly, I think uh, Premier League wise, I think it's kind of peaked. You know, like, I don't think he can go more than, like, mm. three-peating it. Okay, four-peat, five-peat, whatever the fuck. But then at that point, that's a farmer's league, right? Right? So <laughs> it doesn't matter. I think three-peat mm. goes, but I think European-wise, in Europe, that's a different story. I know we're not yeah. talking about that, but I think it just started for you guys there. But right now in the Prem, like, right, we already right, know right. you, like, kind of kind of daddy the league. But I don't know. This year, I don't want to really say you daddy the league. I want to say more like Arsenal bottled the league. So I'm gonna I'm gonna yeah. base it off that. Congrats, though. You know, you you got champions take advantage of yeah, anything. Bro. So you took advantage of it. They thought you were sleeping. That's just it. So the that's it. I'm and that's what we're gonna do on today's episode, bro. We're gonna yeah. go through exactly what City did right this season, where where Arsenal went wrong. Because Joe, Arsenal spent damn near 250 days at the top of the table. And to be honest, yeah. we said on this show we thought we were convinced at one point. We were like, "Yo, it's done." No, right? I, like, told are, I told you. I told you they were gonna bottle they have it. Eight point gap. I said this. To be fair, you did maintain that, but yeah, it felt bro. it felt like you had a little bit of resentment in your voice. Yeah, it yeah, didn't yeah. Feel I feel like we could. <laughs> no, I know, I know. Objectively <laughs> believe you. It felt like you had a tad of bias in there. That's and fair. we went all right, Joe. But like, come on, bro. They seem to be running away with it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I want to take us through everything for Man City. So I think first and foremost for Man City, mm-hmm. City are inevitable. 
right? That's what we, that's what we have to attribute this to more than anything. The the bottleneck effect here for Arsenal is like basically as the league winds down and the pyramid starts to close, you start to see who's actually in the running for the competition. Mm -hmm. And as it turns out, City had a point of realization where they went, we're not out of it. We can still very much win this league. And I think the nerves started to get to Arsenal. Now I can speak more to this from a City perspective. You can speak more to this from an Arsenal hater perspective. And I kind of want you to get it out of the way here for Arsenal because we can't quite encapsulate the accomplishment of what City did this season because it feels like they're now going to win it by 10 points and whatever, Mm because Arsenal lost it. But it didn't feel that way throughout most of the season. Can you explain to me and the people where Arsenal went wrong this season? And therefore, we can kind of establish what City did right. What happened with Arsenal, Joe? Because Arsenal was to win this damn league. 250 days on top. 250 days, not only that, Nathan. I think they were like nine points clear at one point, you know, or seven points clear. They were were ahead by a bit. uh, Not by a bit, by a good margin. And I I think... um, You'd want to say inexperience and all of that, but I, I, you know, when you're that far up, like genuinely, we thought they were going to win the league, right? I think on top of that, when January came, uh, the additions were not enough. Okay, um, we always mentioned that the depth piece was a big thing. I wasn't talking about depth up front. I don't think anyone really was. I think we we're talking about more central defensive. Yeah. You know, losing a player like. Saliba is huge. That's their best defender. And then we, but but they were they were comfortable. You know we have Rob Holding coming in. We have Ben White, whatever Ben Shite. Okay, uh, Rob Rob Holding <laughs> is oh Rob Holding is not even pars, not even subpar. He's worse. He is championship level. You, for the past like three or four seasons, mm. they've been calling for his head to be out. But now all of a sudden he was like that guy to fill in the shoes. Like I don't know. I don't get it. Like they're very flip floppy with this guy, especially too. So it, it, you know what it is also it's, it, it is the nerves because I'm going to point out Saka because he's the closest thing to Messi in the premier league. Right. Nathan, didn't you know that? Saka was the closest thing <laughs> to Messi. Forgive those people. I'll never, Radio. never, I'm never going to forgive them because Saka has had a month of shit performances. I watched the game yesterday. He's like a one out of 10 max. Okay. Odegaard, when you need him the most, mm. he's hidden. He, maybe he is Ozo. Ozer region because they always hide in the big games. They're never there. So it, it's just, I expected this. It, it, it's all talk. And uh, Zinchenko, you crybaby merchant, bro. You are not a captain, bottled it. it. There's a reason why Jesus and Zinchenko were left out, right? Like they told them because there's like these little, little <laughs> things. Like they, they, Pep knew, he's like, bro, these guys are going to like pretend they're captains. They're not leaders. They're not leaders, okay? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. as much as I like Gabriel Jesus, and I think he was a big, big addition to them, he's not a threatening yep. goal scorer, bro. He he, The amount of times you see him drift wide, it's unbelievable. So I think... I, yeah, he, he drifts, drifts everywhere. everywhere. He drifts everywhere. Every, That's really, Gabby. His movement's fantastic, but he's never where you need him to be. Exactly, <laughs> you know, like, right? Uh, central, striker. On top of that, we have Arteta disaster classes when it comes to substitutions and tactics, pre-game, during the game, mid-game, terrible. He had, especially the past two months, horrendous. You know, after the, it, it truly after the Liverpool game, their heads just shot. They're like, yeah, I don't know if I can handle the pressure of someone being on us. Like, and City were out of the picture the whole time. Right. Like ninety three percent of the freaking prem, they were like nobody was thinking about it at that time because we all thought Arsenal were gonna win it. Yeah. Well, I didn't, but either way, uh, they did bottle yeah. it. So I, I think for an Arsenal, I, I think this season, you know, w- how can you tell me you had a better season than Chelsea because you got Champions League? Do you think you're going to win the Champions League next year? 
because this is something you've never won as well. So the, the same United had a better season. The Carabao Cup is more than what Arsenal won. I don't give a shit. So as much as I hate United and everything, they Yo, still had a better season. You know what, bro? I just wish you'd speak your mind a little bit more. I feel like you hold back a little bit too often. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Bro, listen, this is this is a, and, and I'm okay, I'm open for a discussion too. You know, people just don't at me on Twitter because they're scared. Yep. So that's about it. You make me laugh, dude. All right. Well, listen, here's the thing. And it's important to get all that out of the way as mind you, it is a little bit biased. It's coming from a Chelsea <laughs> fan. We get that. Yeah. I have one other question on Arsenal, but, I, and then I'll kind of go into the city of it all. Cause it's important to frame like Arsenal did really, really good for very large chunks of this season. Right? We can't take that away from them. 100%. They did distance themselves at the top of the league. They did sit there for a long, a long, long time. time. They yeah. took advantage of, of lackluster performances from other teams across the league. And they capitalize on momentum, right? Never forget how resilient they were in moments where we thought, okay, this is it. This is the turning point. They're losing this game. This is it. And then they would come back to win those games or to draw those games. Those were massive, massive points that in the end we thought would matter and be the difference. And it, it just, it didn't, right? City just smelled blood, went for it. And then the pressure was just a little bit too much for, for Arsenal to cope with. Now I will ask you, Joe, because you brought up the January transfer window and how they didn't reinforce the right areas. I actually have a question about that. Should Arsenal have spent 150 mil in January to bring in Mudrik and Caicedo? Maybe not Mudrik, because I know obviously he, he didn't hit the ground running at yeah. Chelsea. Mind yeah. you, you know, the, the Trossard one was probably a good deal. But it was even if deal. not 150 mil on Mudrik, and if they had spent 70, 75, everything that Brighton wanted on Caicedo, would that have made the difference? Would Moises Caicedo have helped Arsenal win the Premier League this year? Um, I'd say... I, I'd leave it at maybe because I still think it's tough it, to say eh? because it, it, you're like, yo, it's possible. It, it could be possible. And in retrospect, sure. you're like, fuck, maybe they should have done that. Yeah. yeah. Listen, they got Jorginho in. And as as much as I hate Jorginho for going Arsenal and all that, he, he has been having like pretty decent performances uh, for Arsenal. And even the Arsenal fans could say that like he, he was the best player on the pitch yesterday. As much as the sideway football, like mm. it was more once you have Jorginho you understand the role he plays per se but um right. Moises Caicedo yeah definitely uh, of course any team would be good with Moises Caicedo I think more of getting a center back just in case anything happened because of course the just in case did happen and your best center back got yeah. injured so now you have holding to come on I think they should have splashed a little bit more in well not just him but Kivio, yeah right that's the one who they brought in in January yeah like, and it's... look what happened look what he did against Brighton bro he got Disaster. his boot stepped on and he went down. And yeah. it caused, like, and then Brighton won. And they yeah. beat their asses, dude. Like, that was a significant moment in the league where Brighton tore them apart. I, dude, I, I, this is not so the Arsenal podcast. This is, but I I, I want to move on from Yeah, it, yeah, we I think definitely. all of this is important when framing City's title win because it's important to understand where Arsenal went right and where they wrong. went wrong. And then let's bring in the Correct, City. Yeah. So here's what City actually did, right? Like I said, inevitable. Once they smell blood, forget it. Trent even said that. He's like, yeah, listen, once, once City start to smell it, it's over. Because there's they're going to win all their games. And nobody else has the ability to win all of their games. It's pretty remarkable that they that, that seems normal. Where you're just like, oh, yeah, they'll just like win all their games. Dude, yeah. that's not supposed to happen. Mm -hmm. you're a good run of form is like you win eight. You know, you draw one, you lose one. That's a pretty decent run of form. Pep's like, no, no, no. We're getting all 10 wins. We're getting 11 wins in a row. We're getting 15 wins in a row. However many it takes to do this. And it's not the first time that city have had to come back from second to trump the league leaders, right? They did that against Liverpool when Liverpool were ahead at Christmas. And that was what the first time that, yeah. that a, a league leader at Christmas hadn't won the league city are kind of rewriting this. Now, what did they do? Erling Holland, 
I think has to be a massive point of, uh, of contention here for anybody because bro got 36 premier league goals. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me that wasn't a difference maker. I know city score lots of goals anyway, but I have to imagine for a team when you are ahead of them and it, and this is the guy spearheading the chase. What are you going to do, bro? Like they have Erling Holland. Erling Holland always scores. I mean, City are always going to score and probably outscore their opponents. It means they're going to win. How important is Erling Holland to City's Premier League win this season? Because remember, they won it last year without. Yeah, no, of course he's uh, I, I, he's the most important. I, I think it's more of uh, it's more of City. You know, this year I think they created the same amount of chances i i'd like to say the same exact amount of chances as last year except they had a clinical finisher up top so that's why it seems like they freaking mm. overloaded the goals but but really they did i mean with holland he he was fantastic it was amazing like he doesn't need that many touches on the ball he he uh he just hit it. Nope. it it's in you know and he he's such a dominant presence in the box you know he's a tall big guy fast too it's kind of scary he is a robot yeah. like he is a machine but uh, you can definitely give it to Holland. But I, I think for me personally, like the whole season, uh, people could say Gundogan, people could say Bernardo Silva, inevitable, all that. It's definitely down to Pep. Uh, Pep switched the system. He did something mm. midway through the year. That's my next point. Now, yeah, sorry. So, yeah, because Pep. Uh, no, no. Yeah, okay. Me. So because Pep like completely, completely switched the like, I, I, fuck man. I, I don't want to admit it, but he's a tactical genius. He is a tactical genius. There's nothing yeah. around it. And, and there's no shame, of course, in saying that. As much as I love Mourinho and all that, but Pep is a tactical genius. Like, the fact, the formations he pulls up with, you're like, what the fuck is that half the time? But then you see, mm-hmm. on paper, it looks like a three center back. But then when Rodri drops back, it, it's crazy. Like, I can't fathom it. But the discipline he puts in his players to to stick to their roles perfectly, not just normally, like, perfectly stick to the roles it's amazing and he suited the whole system just for Holland. so i think uh i think pep did pep did yeah. wonders and here they are you know three-peating the league finals of the champions league finals of the fa cup on the verge of a trouble it is what it is man like uh greatness you can't really deny it well yeah and and just to build on that the tactical adjustment that he made like post yeah. cancelo wasn't perfect initially mm-hmm. Right. But the fact that City picked up form at the right time, they ended up just steamrolling to the to the end of the league. But take us back a few months. City had a bit of an identity crisis on their hands. We we're like, what are we doing? Yeah. We're we playing with a back three. Are we playing with a back four? Like, where's the X factor in our team? Because, bro, we can't forget pre-World Cup. Joao Cancelo was undroppable. Yeah. Man City's like arguably best player and most significant player because he was responsible for so much creativity in the side. Joe, I'd go so far as to say this, and I want to know your opinion on it. I don't think City are treble, treble contenders if Joao Cancelo is still in the team now because the adjustment that we made in the team we are now is so different than what it was before. Before, it was like more of the same. It was more of what Pep were doing. It was 4-3-3 with the inverted left back. Yeah, yeah. He's pushing forward into midfield. Now it's no, like no. very, very clearly back three, John Stones in midfield slash defense one defending and then attacking with basically five at all times it brings Grealish into the system Gundogan has been clutch in those moments and Erling Haaland scores every damn game bro the tactical adjustment that they made post Cancelo made them more dominant Um, like less flair and less pretty and more just straight up ass kicker mentality and I think for the sake of the season if you told anybody this in October I'd be like what are you talking about bro so you're cruising anyway what happened was Rico Lewis came into the team at this place, Cancelo. Then Nathan Ake came in. He was undroppable. That displaced left off. There was bare mm-hmm. things going on. People were like, yo, 
what's happening with this? Remember Holland had his stretch where he didn't score for like five games. We're like, yo, it's, it's yeah, not well, working here. Right. Pepe <laughs> needs to figure this out. They went from playing with triangles to playing with squares. And now they're creating overloads in all these positions. Mm -hmm. And now you have guys open in all these different places. Cause John Stones is like, listen, sometimes I'm a midfielder. Sometimes I'm a defender and nobody knows mm -hmm. how to tactically deal with this. So I know what we come to is that, we have a bit of a rough patch in the sandwich, in the in the middle of this sandwich of a season where it started great in one way, then a patch of rough form, lack of identity, what the hell's going on, to now City are on the verge of winning the treble. Not just three-peat in yeah. the league, but two games, two finals away from the greatest possible season for us. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I think, um, I, yeah, with Cancelo and the team, like this would have never been, I don't think he would have reached this far, to be honest. And I'll tell you the reason being is that mm. this formation is completely new. Every team that's coming up against it right now is like they're facing a different, a completely different team, which that's why I say Pep's a tactical genius, because who the fuck does that midway through the season? What he just did yeah. was a thing that coaches do during the summer and try it out during preseason. He's like, no. This is how we're going right. to go. That just means that he knows every single one of the players. He knows their abilities. Like, he, he is like a perfect coach in a sense, you know? So, completely, yeah, that, that's why they, they steamrolled everyone. They're like, what the hell are these guys coming in with? Like, what the hell is John? Joe Stones looks like fucking Seedorf uh, in the fucking midfield sometimes. I, I don't get it. I, I honestly, I have no idea how he made John Stones. Like, God, I I. I, I it's it leaves me speechless bro because it's actually like i was sitting with mark yesterday or something or one of the days city were playing because city of course played today but um basically we were like uh me and mark was just watching and he's like bro it's just it's like so nice to see i'm like what do you mean he's like bro it's they're amazing like what the fuck can you even do yeah, I know. I, it, I, it's I, honestly I like, that, right? You're just like, what are you even supposed to do? They're so nice to watch. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, yeah, bro. Like, I hate to say it. he's like, no, bro. Like, they're so good. Like, I don't know what to say. Like, this is just they're the best. So and, and it's true, though. And uh, I, all credit really does go to Pep because I don't think any any manager these days can put even Tuchel. I don't think anyone can pull that shit off right now. So, yeah, no, I don't think so either. And I think like the fact that Pep made the side more physical at the right time, I think helped with the rest Definitely. of the season because Akanji's a monster, mm -hmm. right? Ake's a monster. Walker's a monster. Ruben Diaz is a monster. John Stones became a physically like fit person. Another one over six feet to be a boss. Rodri's over six feet and bossing it. Jack Grealish from hip to ankle is the sturdiest dude on planet Earth, <laughs> right? So you had so much solidity in the team that it propelled them throughout the rest of the season. And I can't, credit enough the tactical change that happened and the recovery from this complete like identity shift because it's not what we saw earlier so ultimately why did city win the premier league this year they put the pressure on arsenal right by never losing and then beating them in those deciding moments because if arsenal beat us arsenal win the league yeah city recovered from the identity picked up form at the right time had the inevitability factor of not just the whole squad but erling holland and then they basically scared Arsenal into thinking that they weren't going to get yeah. it done. So they didn't. In that. That is a big time. In that uh, form uh, question, sorry, the, the form they had winning, uh, in two of those games were against Arsenal too. So like yeah. Arsenal had two chances to really hold because the second, they lost the first chance fine. But they had another chance, which was towards the end of the year to like really keep this up. And they yeah. lost it again. So at the end of the day, like, Convincing, convincingly yeah. they got the shit beat out uh, of them too right it was like 4-1 right we we 
proper exactly. Pasta. So uh, I know, no, Arsenal. Now Arsenal fans are switching it. So this is a warning to all you guys. Okay, they're switching it, saying that uh, <laughs> we were never, we were never supposed to be in this position. That's my favorite one. Who me? Me it could be what? What? They had T-shirts and Christmas and shit. I'm ready. Bro. <laughs> I'm ready for the smoke. But uh, but honestly, fair play to City. Fair play to to Pep. Uh, it's inevitable. It's gonna happen, and I think it's gonna happen for like a couple of years. You know what? All the big six teams, like four of them, decided to just be shit every other season. Like we're a me- Chelsea's a mess. United's just recovering yeah. from a nine-year mess. And then we have fucking Liverpool. Mm. I don't know. They have identity crisis every two weeks anyway. So I don't know what the fuck's up with those guys. Arsenal shit. But uh, yeah. but but like oh, with it's that, crazy. it's not it's not City's fault that they're like that. It's not. It's not no. them but Chelsea's fault or United's exactly. fault. So they're going to be like, all right, we're going to just fucking win if you right. guys don't want to put pressure. Here we are. And here you are. We would be we'd be remiss. We'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Champions League performance. Yes. Because this is equally i think part of why city won the league is because they weren't just like crash and burn out of the champions league and then they only have to focus on the league it was very much the mentality was we need to win every game for the rest of the season there is not one margin for error here and that includes dethroning the reigning champions Mm -hmm. in real madrid can you talk to me a little bit about what happened in that game and because bro we battered madrid at home like the etihad has become a fortress that can't be understated as well in 2023 bro we haven't lost we we crush everybody but to play against madrid the way we did to have big match bernardo silva come into the team and basically bully real madrid the entire game where they didn't have a second to breathe they didn't have an outlet nobody could carry the ball up the pitch they couldn't rely on on the wide areas there was nothing that madrid could do to get anywhere near us I think that was really telling in the way that City were prepared to take on the rest of the season because it was like ultimately we a lot of trophies are ahead of us. Yeah, this is the best team that we will face if we can knock off Real Madrid here. It's over. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, to be- and I'm not. I'm not. I don't want to get ahead of myself mm-hmm. for a Champions League final because we'll do our Champions League final. Yeah, we'll leave that for later. There's, there's pros and cons to both sides. Yeah, that's for later. But just in that game against Real Madrid, because you had some really interesting insight on that, and I wanted you to say it on here, bro. City battered. City deserved to go through. Oh, no, 100%. Listen, City deserved to go through last year. We got to remember that, okay? They Because they were cruising. Mm. They were cruising. And uh, okay, obviously, enough. it's mm. another thing where you're like, okay, Madrid is inevitable, right? But this year is different. Like, uh, yep. in the beginning of the season, I, I could tell. Um, Madrid, uh, Madrid's having a, a disaster class this year. And I'll just tell you why. It's mostly because they're playing the same thing. All right, the same exact thing. And this is a little bit of uh, what we were just touching on, Pep changing the style and people not knowing what the hell they're playing anymore. And they don't know what to, they don't know how to handle it. Exact same thing happened to um, to uh, to Madrid. They're like, dude, fuck. Whoa, this is the same city we played last year. <laughs> the same people. He's, and they, they just lost the plot. Right. They couldn't, like, they couldn't handle the pressure, the press. But on top of that, man, you know, I think Ancelotti did have some disaster class moves over here. I mean, with uh, not playing Rudiger, especially after the game he had, he, he handled Holland. I don't want to say like a pocketed Holland or whatever, but you, there's only so much you could do against Holland, and Rudiger did everything right. Okay, and I know how much I, I love Rudiger, yeah. fantastic center back, but it was mostly credit to City where the, the it's bro, it's insane, you know the. the yeah, the, the, really the pressures, the pressure, they couldn't handle it. They literally couldn't handle it, you know? Um, it's yeah. a perfect transition now. Like this, 
it's done. You know, it's time for Madrid to really move on. And uh, this is important. This is kind of like a, uh, like, uh, I don't know. It's like they're shifting their energy to City now. Okay. Meaning uh, Madrid, mm. the the champions of Europe, all this, blah, 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 need to start transitioning to their new era. And I feel like this was a transition for City to go to their new era, where they're like, now you can talk to us about mm. if you win the Champions League. That is obviously we'll get to that. Uh, right. But but we all know yeah, Inter yeah. Milan. Yeah, good luck. Who, who the fuck's gonna stop you, Mkhitaryan? Yeah, right. <laughs> okay, good. But uh, but that's a different subject. But I, I feel like more of now City's time in Europe. That's a new chapter that just opened, which is crazy. Which is crazy. Like right. it, it's insane to me. So. Yeah, mm. fair play. Honestly, fair play to City. Madrid did have a disaster class, other than you know a couple of players like Vinicius Junior. I love Vinicius Junior. I think he's going to be better than Neymar if he's not already better than Neymar. Uh, to be honest with you, but <laughs> no, for real, like I don't give a shit about no Neymar anymore. But um, but but fair play to City. I mean, you know what? Now City's becoming inevitable in Europe. You know, I think this is the time. This is the switch. But it's been years of bottling it. So I think they, I think Pep was like, bro, I can't yeah. fucking do this anymore. Like we cannot bottle it. We literally mm. got the striker. Uh, we're crying about the striker, all that. We right. we have him. He's like here, he's scoring thirty goals. He scored thirty goals in January. So mm. like, this is it. Yeah. It's either we become, we stay a fucking Tim Pot club, or we win a fucking Champions League. And I think <laughs> the players literally were like hyped and they were ready to go. And it and good for them. They showed the uh, Kevin De Bruyne. He played great. They played fantastic. And and that's one of the guys I, I told you in the beginning of the year. I'm like, listen, bro, if you lose the Champions League this year, I genuinely like legit think about a revamp because they'll never win it. And here we are. You're in the Champions no, no, League no. final. Yeah. Stop. Yeah. I think I, I don't think that would be the time to blow it up. I mean, but again, we're gonna do the Champions yeah, League yeah. final preview in a couple of weeks. But just I think any year before this one would have felt a little bit like cheating for city to win because they've been the best, but they didn't have that pedigree. Like it's like, even when they were there, it was like their first time there. Yeah, yeah. Now it's like city have crossed every threshold. There's nowhere that they haven't been. There's nothing that they haven't done. They just have to cross this line. That's, That's the only line left to cross. And you're right. That changes the pedigree that, that marks the start of a new European era. Not that city are going to win the champions league every year, no, no. but that, it can't just be, oh, City are one of the best sides. So they should be competing for Champions Leagues every year. That's what it's been in the past. But there was the, the big asterisk over it being like, well, why? Why? Because they're talented. They don't have the pedigree. They're, they're not used to being there. It's not that long ago they were going out in the quarterfinals to Lyon. That's like two, three years ago. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Now it's like, oh, they just three-peated the Prem, won five of the last six. And the Premier League is the hardest competition in the world to win across 38 weeks. Now they're knocking off Real Madrid and Bayern and teams who have done it before and just battering them. This is the passing of the tour. This is the, the era that City have been waiting for, but they've earned their way here. Yeah, even I, reaching the final and losing showed them that you, even if you're the better side, you will still lose. Yeah, I, I think that's make sure it. you never lose. I think you pointed that's where they're at. You got that right, the, especially the final part is you, you, you reach your first final and you taste the defeat against a team that you definitely should have been, mm. you know, because these guys a yep. month or two <laughs> previously, our Chelsea boys were like, we're talking about selling half a team. Like where I'm at today, you know? Yeah. So, uh, and it's the same personnel, right? <laughs> well, bro, it, it, you know what's funny? Yeah. There was an Optus, there was an Opta tweet after Rodri like bossed it against Real Madrid yeah. saying like, you know, most, most take-ons, most defense, most blocks, most everything else. And there, and the thing was, 
hopefully he starts in the final this time. Like, yeah, bro, no kidding. Yeah. It does like not that long ago. Rodri wasn't starting Champions League finals. Rodri has started every damn game since that. Final. I, I think you know what Pep I mean? will like, over at the time. Think it now. It moves fast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At, at that point, no, I think this is it. I think that's the big yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. For the first time, Pep's like not yeah. overthinking it. He's like, no, like this is it. We just gotta do this. And like because because I think he was. You know, that time with that final, I think uh, Tuchel already beat him twice. So he was like really trying to do something different, which yeah. I understand now. Like looking back at it, like I get it, mm-hmm. but he fucked up as well. <laughs> like uh, the game's he the did. game, right? Yeah. But here we right. are. Here the we game are. Is the game, bro. Another final, anyway. you know, another final in three years. That's fantastic uh, alone, you know, but yeah. this time you really need to cross up. You are playing a team with pedigree in the champions league as well you, if you're reaching the final you gotta like play a team that has some somewhat kind of pedigree other than tottenham that's a flu- mm. yeah yeah i was like, just uh, gonna say except for spurs right yeah i know but it? like the but bro <laughs> it's like nah i think after you beat real madrid there's nothing that was just the team to beat let Let's put a pin yeah. in it for now for the Champions League discussion because, again, that episode's coming. And, guys, this is not a Man City episode. We actually have, like, six yes, more yes. teams that we want to talk about. But because of the circumstances around City and because most of us are bigger Prem fans than anything else, we had to talk yeah. about Man City because Man City are the story, especially on this day Congrats, of recording. But let's yeah. segue it. Who did City beat in the semifinal? Real Madrid. Real Madrid went trophyless this season. Why? Because domestically they had their trophy taken to them by a Barcelona side with – the best defensive record in Europe. Like, it's unheard of what they did. They conceded 15 goals all season. That is preposterous. Barcelona's success this season, what they did right as the champions of Spain, super, super, super defensive system. Like, not defensive system, but their defense was fantastic. The the way that they set up their defense in particular superseded the players that they had there because you had times where marcos alonso was playing center back here bro yeah you know what i mean like and, and they didn't always too, have bro. world beaters at center back <laughs> that, that's yeah. just it now you know araujo at one point in the year was considered the best center back in the world because on form he, he was just unstoppable he got injured around the world cup time they had to make adjustments mm-hmm. whatever it goes beyond just araujo and kunde here it, you know pk played for barcelona this year in the champions league yeah. and then promptly retired yeah, Dude yeah, like, yeah. Right, you know what? I'm done with this. A lot of things have happened this season for Barcelona, and through all the chaos and all the controversy, Mark Andre to Spider Man and that <laughs> dude with the with the finest hair transplant in the world. Football, amazing, by the way. amazing. Barca's defense, I think, won them the league more than anything else. I have some other points that I want to get to, but more than anything else, the fact that they never conceded goals, I think, won them this championship. Right, Joe? I agree. I agree. You know what? They they had a fantastic second quarter, second half of the season, in my opinion, uh, or mm. midway through the season, because it was a lackluster beginning. Let's be real here. We were having a Chavi's mm. job on the line, blah blah blah. Champions League crash. Um, I. I, You're right. You that know, did happen. Europa League. You can't forget crash. about that. They crashed over the Champions League. You remember a lot. Mm. There was a lot going on, and uh, it wasn't looking good. So I think that helped them in a way. Unlike Arsenal, actually crashing out the. <laughs> We're gonna uh, go back to Competitions, <laughs> you can actually you know do well <laughs> afterwards because bro, they have bigger fish to fry. What yeah. do you mean? Uh, <laughs> but uh, that, listen, uh, I'm gonna give credit to Xavi. I know I'm the biggest hater. I'm going to give credit to Xavi because somewhat, so he is adaptable, like Pep. You know, he learned his stuff from Pep and very Mm -hmm. similar to him. Yeah, exactly. One of them. And you can can tell because the team were lackluster. They didn't, they were also, they also didn't have an identity as well. Just similar to City in the beginning of the year. I think midway through the season, 
Travis like, okay, like we got to find out, listen, what's our best 11 and we got to stick with it. If it means mm. Fatty's not playing, it means Fatty's not playing on the wing. Okay. But Kieta Ball is yeah. playing, Wh- whoever it is, but as long as the system works and it did, he found something that worked for him. Okay. Involved Lewandowski more because I felt Lewandowski was so, so alone at, at the striker position. Rafinha needed the jump in form as well. And he, he did it towards the end of the yep. season. Um, De Jong, I you know me, bro. I love De Jong. You know Frankie De Jong is the, is f- fucking amazing. I would spend a hundred million on him in a heartbeat. Yeah. But his versatility allowed Chabi's system to work as well because De Jong doesn't complain. He will drop mm-hmm. back to center back, even though I don't think he'll he should be playing yeah. there. But at times when they need him there, he'll drop down to that position to help them defensively because at times yeah. you know Areo and. Alonso, especially what like you said, was playing center back at times because of injuries. Mm-hmm. Now that Christensen's back and everything, that you can see the system actually play out pretty well. So I think I think yeah. credit really needs to go to Chavi this season for being able to adapt and uh, you know compose under the pressure because they they did great second half of the season. Let's give it all to them. And the classical match was fantastic. They yeah. beat them off the park there. So it was. What we have to remember is that Barca, I don't think at any point were dominant no, no. in the league this season. No. Like they, they, they very much won mm-hmm. the league. Congratulations to them. They outlasted people. They defended better uh, towards the beginning of the season. They had a thousand scoring options, yeah. right? So that seemed like a good thing at the time because it was basically whatever people are going to throw at them. If they need a little bit more pace, Fatih's there on the wing. If you need a little bit more skill, Memphis Depay was there. If you need him to play through the middle, Depay could do that as well. If you want, you know, really, really hardworking winger more than anybody else who's got bare skill and is left-footed, that's where Rafinha comes in. If you want someone super two-footed who could co- go across either way, that's where Dembele comes in. Mm-hmm. They had options galore in those areas. Ferran Torres, but too, they couldn't. You're right. Yeah. They couldn't pick what Ferran Torres is, right? Aubameyang yeah. was there at the start of the season. Yeah. They had bare options at one point, and they started to dwindle and cause, I think, a little bit more problems than they were solving because they were like, well, who are we going to play? Like, we only have two winger spots. Lewandowski's going to be there to score you're goals right. no matter what, but we got to make sure we have the right service for him. Right behind them, I think that the the attacking options helped them in some capacity throughout the season because they they could at least play with these options. Yeah, after last season, bro, they were loaning in Adama Traore. Yes, right. Like they yeah. had. Don't forget all the financial turmoil they were in last year to yeah. try to get back to this spot where they were winning leagues because they couldn't handle how how poor they were. Right, yeah. having Gavi Pedri, right in particular, I think as a two. Yeah, I think settled things for a lot of the season because though options can be good at times sometimes it caused a lack of identity Gavi and Pedri were the identity of the team for the whole season Busquets Gavi Pedri there's your midfield every single week Joe the young's gonna come in maybe a little bit underutilized at time maybe you should have been starting a little bit more games but it didn't matter because the culture of Barcelona depended on these two academy players coming in to be the regens Xavi Xavi and they did a very very good job this is, this is at a time where Araujo is the best center back in the world and he's playing right wing back. He's getting so far up because they needed to tuck Kunde inside rather than flipping it or Kunde was injured. There was things going on at that club. Ter Stegen was always saving. Lewandowski's always scoring. And Gavi and Pedri are the identity of Barcelona for the whole season. And Joe, it's only the beginning of their era, oh, right? Like these kids, they're, they're 17 years old. 100, bro, it's like... Gavi be... and Pedri is going to be a dynasty. Here. Dynasty, yeah, yeah, I know. We're, we're screwed when they're up. <laughs> that's if they make all the right decisions. And yeah, that's just ever. They, they, they sold the club to the devil, yeah. though, to be fair. Let's, let's, let's be real here. To get all yeah. these players in, 
You uh, can't register Gavi's contract. Don't forget, he's on a youth contract right now. Bro. No, 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 no. And, and you know what? Personally, like, I know I, I understand winning by any means, but I think the way they handle it, that's a different subject. But for now, as a team, mm-hmm. uh, they did a fantastic job. And, and, and I'm I'm going to switch a little bit to Real Madrid. You know, um, they, they could have won yep. this league they, easily, I feel. Mm. Like, they definitely had it at some points in the bag, but... Uh, Poor form. Uh, they had a they had a stint that was just it was a joke. They were losing to teams that you wouldn't even think they should be losing to, and that's another thing on Ancelotti just being very stubborn and not switching tactics. And Chavi's Chavi right. Chavi no Chavi Pep, all these students of his, they they'll switch it if they need to. They'll switch it. That's what makes a manager a great manager, right? right? Stubbornness doesn't work in the league in any league anymore. So. Um, Definitely, hmm. I'm going to hand to you. Pedri, I love Pedri. Pedri's a fantastic player. Uh, Gavi's great yep. too, but uh, specifically Pedri. Um, I think going forward now is who takes over the Busquets role if you continue playing with the Busquets role, you know? That's the thing. So I, wonder, I think they're going to switch to a pivot, Joe. You think so, yeah? I think they're going to try to switch to a pivot and, I and think they're going to make Gavi a 10. I really think that's what they're going to try to do. And I think that's a good because... move, to be honest with you. Because Busquets' role was very outdated. Yeah, it lasted wrong. But Busquets is the best at what Busquets does, if that makes sense. You know? Like, he yeah. he can he can do yeah. that role. The only person who could do that as well is playing at Manchester City right now. So, that's... Yeah, that's exactly. It. It's Roger. That, yeah. Literally, that's it. You're exactly right. I don't think anyone. You're gonna have to take years to train up. But pivot. I like that. I like that idea. I think they should be doing it. I think if they went with the, I mean, to be fair, they, they have the pivot. They if do. you put Frank Kessie and Frankie De Jong together, you have a wonderful pivot that exists mm. currently. And it, I think both of those players are better as pivot players anyway. Yeah. Be, just because of what their attributes are, but neither of them are Busquets. So if we're trying to replace the identity of Busquets in particular then I think you have to start looking at like some some proper, like shop locally and go look for a Spanish number six yeah. who can play short yard passes and cut passing lanes and be very energetic, which seems like it's not a glitz and glamour position, but Busquets is an enabler. He's not supposed to be a glitz and glamour no, position. No. So they don't actually don't need to spend tremendous amounts of money. To say they have Frank Kessie, so Frank Kessie should play the Busquets role, is wrong. To say they have De Jong, so De, and De Jong, who's very capable of playing pretty much every role, should play that one, is wrong. wrong. That's not what they should be doing. They're either going to find an exact regen and replacement for the team, which I think is harder to do, or slightly adjust the system and play with a pivot and a 10. The problem with that is I don't know where Pedri goes. I don't know if Pedri goes in the base of the pivot with a two, or if Pedri becomes your 10 and he becomes more of an advanced playmaker. Very difficult. I don't know which one that is. But it's very interesting to see how they're going to do it because I guarantee you, Joe, neither of them are getting dropped. Gavi, clearly, there have been times throughout this season where Gavi should not have been playing. Yeah. And I, I firmly believe that. I think that Frank Kessie still to this day is a better player right now than Gavi Me is too. right now. I agree. It's forgotten and it's lost in the excitement, right? There are games against Inter Milan where, where Barca lost because Gavi got bullied. And Gavi got bullied because he just wasn't there. Like, I, he's still only 17. Very, very talented. I'm, I'm really that mad about yet. that. Yeah. And Frank Kessie... Was probably was disrespected at times. To be honest, like he is, this he's isn't every this is not yeah. all about Barca episode or all about yeah. City episode, right? We're yeah. talking about things that they did right this season. Right. I think we've given them yeah. their flowers, but 100%. if we're looking at next season too, Frank Kessie should not be a bench ridden player who plays you know ten games a season. His dad, Frank is a that. beast and yeah. a monster. Yeah, yeah. Oh I yeah, there you yeah. Go. His dad, his dad's not happy about it either, and I don't blame him, man. Frank Kessie, like you got him in to start. Oh. There's no way to to rot on the bench. A monster. Ain't. He's a killer. I'd love him at Chelsea. So that's I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm sure you would. Yeah. 
be a beast there already. Right? Anyway, so the things that Barca did right this season, forge the identity in the middle of the park, which is probably the most important place to do it. Exceptionally good defensive system for their defensive players that allowed for worse personnel to still excel in the position and eventually and this is definitely third of the three figure out the attacking options so that Lewandowski could continue scoring because ultimately the wingers won't be given it that much credit and they don't deserve that much credit to be completely honest Lewandowski getting his 22 goals that he has think between 20 and 25 yeah. somewhere in that range that he has pushed Barca over the line and they never conceded a damn goal so all around, Barca were good in a lot of areas, but not dominant. What we were talking about towards the end there is how to get a little bit more dominant, and a little bit of Frank Kessie goes a long way, in my yeah, opinion. 100%. Bro. I agree. I agree. Can we talk about a team who was dominant in the league this year, but stumbled their way to the final? They really mm-hmm. stumbled their way. They barely crossed they, the line they, here, yeah. but they did find their way eventually. Napoli, Joe. League winners for the first time in 30 years. They blitzed the league. Right. If we're going to look at what Napoli did right this season, they blitzed the league because they 100%. were just taking points from every game all the time from the beginning of the season right up until the end where they were 18 points clear, at which points they just basically started to stumble. It, right. They yeah. won the league on a draw because the team in second place <laughs> lost, you know, when they were when they were in second. Right. Yeah. I think what attributed to this breakthrough and to this uh, to this blitz was the superstar breakthrough of the most prolific duo in Europe. Right. Kvicha, Kvarats Yes. And Victor Osman. 100%. Can we talk about these two players for a minute, Joe? Fantastic. Monsters, man. Killers. Dude, you can't have breakout seasons like this. Talk to me a little bit about Kvaradana here because dude earned the nickname Kvaradana as a 21-year-old Georgian who played his first league in Europe's top five leagues. His first professional season in Europe's top five leagues. Probably in consideration for best player in Europe this season. Yeah. In consideration, maybe not won't win it, but at yeah. his best, he was about as good as anybody else. A hundred percent. Blitz. Blitz Blitz is the freaking best term you could use to define how Napoli took over the Serie A this year because they went through everyone. Everyone. Yeah, towards the end of the season. 18 points clear. Not yeah. eight, Joe. Eight. Not 10. Yeah. 18. Yeah, yeah. Killed it. That's a blitz, Killed bro. it. Especially... They move, bro, the especially post, in a highly defensive uh, league too. You know, a lot of the good defensive mm. teams there, uh, from from the bottom all the way to the up, including Roma. They they just the attacking threat is undeniable, yeah. undeniable. Uh, I can't even say Kvara's uh, full name voice. is it's too long, but uh, <laughs> but I hope his career is long because that guy's fucking amazing, amazing. Uh, Victor, honestly, bro, Victor Osman, we were talking about as one of the best strikers in in the world uh, at some point, right? Yeah. So uh <clears throat> I got his jersey. Yeah, I saw. Eh? It looks by the way the, you know that it's not on the, the wall yet, but it's have... really good. I looked at like it looked pretty good, man. It's very, very decent. Yeah. You know what? When we get to episode 200, we're gonna talk about all about the favorite jerseys and the origins for some of them. So don't worry, okay. that, that one's coming, but it is worth mentioning. Victor Osiman earned his place on the jersey wall, which is a hard thing to do with the fact that the boy got 23 goals and four assists in the Serie A this season. And his strike partner, Kvicha, 10 goals, 12 assists. These dudes, again, they, they hit a bad spell of form when they had already pretty much crossed the line. So it feels like they went a little bit stagnant towards the end. But I feel like that takes away from what they did this season. On multiple power rankings that we did here, we had Napoli at the yeah. top of the list. 
because Napoli were the best team in Europe. They were blitzing everybody in the Champions League. They did the same thing in the domestic league, and eventually they started to stumble a little bit, right? AC Milan three-peated them. Basically, that, that, yeah, was, that, that was, was very nice of, of <laughs> AC Milan to do. They had to let them know. And then it kind of it kicked them out of the Champions League. They started to trip up a little bit towards the finish line of that league. And now they yeah. just, they're chilling, right? Because they're already champions. They know that, that what's done is done. But you know who else needs credit here, Joe? You know I think I do. Flowers? Uh, say his name. Tell uh, me his name. I'm pretty sure it's the center back. Yeah. The best center um, back in I only know him season. as Kim. Is that, I don't know his full name. Kim Min Kim Jae. Min Jae. Kim Min uh, who needs Jae a move? Who needs a move this summer for sure. Well, yeah. he deserves one. I don't know if he needs it, though. I mean, to be fair, he just won the nah, league. Bro. I don't no, know if he you're needs not, United is knocking. United is knocking, knocking. I think that's a good, that's a good <laughs> move for him. <laughs> I think the system that Napoli built this season was so high energy and so, like, made such good use out of the superstars that had breakthrough seasons. All of them, to be honest. Lobotka at the base of midfield, I don't think people realized how good his defensive abilities were or the fact that he could just kind of sit in and pinch and do whatever was necessary in midfield. The fact that Zambo and Gisa, reminded people he's like yeah i'm not just a Fulham <laughs> player bro i'm actually really really good i could carry this ball get it out of tight spaces and do what i have to do Zelensky was fantastic in terms of production from midfield kim min jay was a, a one-man wrecking crew quite frankly Dude. in defense because it's not like he had world beaters next to him South right Korea, and then the strike partnership up top in particular of of osimian and, and kvaradana napoli I hope that this is a team, Joe, that we will look back and say the streets will never forget when Napoli won the league that year. Yeah, yeah. Have because a lot. this was the, the origin season of Kim Menje. It was the origin season of Kvitschik Varadzhelia. Right. And and maybe not the origin season of Victor Osimhen, but the world-class discussion for, for, for Victor, Victor Osimhen. Osimhen. The, the time when Victor Osimhen became that guy. That guy I think yeah. that was this season for Victor. I agree 100%. 100%. Uh, fair play to Napoli. Um, you know what? Hmm. You guys want it with a bougie kit too. Napoli kits are always fire. <laughs> and I give it to them as well. They are fire. But, but you know, they're uh, a little long, bro. They're they are, long. They are, it's they weird. Are, they don't are. cut up at the waist. They go I, I have a like Napoli kit dresses. too, but like it's really old. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I have a Levetsi on my thing. Vintage. Yeah, vintage, vintage. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't fit. That me is anymore. vintage. That's pre-PSG. That means it's like what 2011 or sooner. Yeah, yeah. That's not bad. Yeah, dude. that's uh that's pretty crazy. I read it. Um, but but it that is crazy. But fair play to Napoli. Yeah. It's crazy, bro. I love it. But um, but let's see how they go on to the next season. Was Kappa the sponsor? Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, boys. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Kappa's the sponsor. Uh, bro, yeah. anything Kappa. Yeah, I wonder who they can retain here. Yeah, I really yeah, do, Kappa's too, to be nasty. honest. Um, like I said, I just literally said, Kim, I think, is leaving. But, uh, but yeah. you know, keeping Vic... Keeping both attackers is pretty crazy, well, you know? I, I, that's just it. Like, De Laurentiis said, I don't have debts. I have no reason to sell. So I think it's going to take, like, some massive, massive transfer fees that I don't know if people will be prepared to pay to get some of the best players out of the club. Now, if they're able to, okay. But, Joe, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know who Kim Minjay was before this season. Mm -hmm. Who's to say Napoli aren't going to be like, you know what? Yeah, let's cash in because I got another Kim Minjay right here. Listen, bro. And they're going to just... Prop up the next guy. I totally agree. I totally agree with you. Um, it, it could it could change. Like th they could have a Dortmund system. Who knows? <laughs> Every year they find mm -hmm. just some random good player. Agree. Yeah, but I, I think, but yeah, but that's a good thing to say. Yo. Like, no, no, no debt to pay. Then I could just keep everyone. That why not? You know why not go for the league again next year? Because you definitely can. You definitely yeah. can in this area. So. Let's see what they. Let's see what happens. Another year with the core I've, together. 
like you know we can't it's not understated the fact that the world cup break helped a team like 100%. this because they didn't have players going to the world cup so they could recover a little bit but nonetheless like i don't think that napoli fluked the league this no year. i think they were the best by a mile by a mile i agree too i agree too by far yeah. you know what i mean yeah so those are our three league champions this year of the best leagues in europe and now i want to get to what what is still to be done for a few of these mm-hmm. okay I want to do the Bundesliga here, Joe. I got two teams I want to talk about after the Bundesliga, but I think this race <laughs> might actually be the best title race in Europe this season, and it's in the Bundesliga. It's between Bayern Munich and Dortmund. Mm-hmm. And let's hit the stage here. My, my precious, my coveted Bundesliga. Bayern started the league poorly. So yeah. this was like a three-horse race for a long time in the league, right? It wasn't just Dortmund, right? You had uh, the likes of... Some other teams who really have no business being in this conversation. Union Berlin were in the running for like a long, long time in the league here. And you're like, really? What? What are you talking about? It didn't help my, my, you know, your case of uh... my argument to watch the Bundesliga for competition. Cause you're, cause you look at that and you're like, Nathan, Union Berlin are challenging. That's not, and I'm like, no, bro, Union Berlin are challenging. Like it makes it exciting. And you're like, it makes it garbage because who the hell are these dudes? (laughs) Eventually they started to fall off. It became a two horse race. I want to go through how Bayern can win this league and how they got here and how Dortmund can do the same because eventually Bayern looked like they were just going to, you know, figure it out in the league, but they were stumbling their way. It really took who's going to come take advantage of the fact that Dortmund, that, that, uh, that Bayern are falling here. And it was Dortmund, right? Mm -hmm. So here's what, here's what Bayern have done largely to get to this point. When I wrote this initially, yeah, Bayern were supposed to win the league yesterday. If Bayern beat Leipzig yesterday, Bayern won the league again but they lost at home to a comeback. And now Leipzig have guaranteed themselves Champions League football like, Shout like, out uh, for next season. So there was a lot on the line, bro. Yeah. Shout out Nkunku, yeah. who's a freaking baller. I can't wait to see him in the Prem next year. Yeah. I'm so upset that it's for Chelsea, <laughs> right? Bayern had to rely on their experience. That's how they crossed the line from here. That's how they got to this point. Rely on their experience. They have a lot of youth, but even their young players know what it means to win this league because let's be real, they do it every yeah. year. That's what they do. When you're coming through the system, you understand that the expectation is not just, oh, we're going to compete. We're going to win the Premier League. The, Premier League. <laughs> the, Premier League. Yeah. the Bundesliga. Every I single do. year. What else Bayern did? They destroyed Dortmund in their, in their classicer. They, like, Dortmund imploded, and they just took advantage. They ran right through them. This was the first game that Thomas Tuchel was in charge. Uh, Muller had a, had a fantastic game. Not the game of his life. Just a very vintage, like vintage yeah, Thomas course. Muller performance. They overcame the adversity of their managerial switch because it was a little bit shaky, but it looked like they were going to figure it out and cross that line. And the other thing is, for Bayern this season, not having Lewandowski hurt them. We can't stress that enough because Lewandowski was the focal point of their attack. But Nagelsmann wanted to spread goals here throughout the team. And at the time, that mattered. They've done that. The goals that Bayern Munich have spread throughout their team has been pretty impressive, all things considered. Like, we can't actually deny it, right? You have Musiala, who's got 10. Nabri's got 14. Coman's got 7. Muller's got 7. You know, even, even uh, Chupa yeah, Mocha yeah. has a couple. <laughs> They're spreading right. them throughout the team instead of having a focal point, which I think is an important thing to do because it's not like, okay, Serge Gnabry's our next big guy. You need to go get us 25, 30 goals. They said, no, we're all going to contribute to double digits for goals and assists here. And that just spreads out the inevitability throughout the team because there's not one guy to shut out the problem is when you don't have that guy you yes. can be got at yeah right so here's what here's what Dortmund did on the other end they won 10 straight games to kick off 2023 remember earlier in the show we were talking about pep just sets the expectation that you have to win every single game but you're not supposed to win every single game because that's discrediting the sport and how hard it is to actually win games Dortmund won 10 in a row the attacking depth that they have and the young players that they have is absolutely astonishing. 
right? When you have the likes of Adeyemi, uh, Daniel Malin, Mukoko, you have Gio Reyna who comes off the bench, Bino Gittens, you have uh, Seb Haller who came back from his, you know, overcame, overcoming testicular cancer. Great work. The attacking options that yeah. they have is fantastic, especially when we know the ethos of the club for Dortmund is we are going to concede, so we got to score more. Yeah. Right? We need to make sure that we're scoring more. I think that they did that for a lot of times. What else they did to be, to put themselves in the conversation here? They took advantage of Bayern's lackluster start to the league where they were only like 6-4-1 in their first 11 games or something like that. It wasn't great. And they dipped when the managerial change came, yes. right? Not initially because their classicer was pretty telling, but they didn't give up even after getting destroyed in their classicer. And it was like, okay, now the league's done. They kept fighting and they kept winning. And I think that spirit showed Bayern, you better be perfect because you might beat us. But if you don't beat somebody else, we're going to keep beating our opposition as well. Joe, the last thing that they did, as I just mentioned, the ethos of the club, we will score, but we will concede. They had to overcome adversity and the adversity came from their own defense. Joe, they always concede. Yeah, so bro. they had to overcome this, bro. They had to overcome their own team. They couldn't get out of their own damn way. Bro, just shut teams out. Figure this out. Nico Schlotterbeck gets injured, and now all of a sudden we have a huge problem at, at, for the back for Dortmund. They figure it out. And now here we sit. Dortmund at the top of the league, two points clear. There's two scenarios wherein they win the league. They win the league on the last day of the season when they beat Mainz, who are in ninth place. If they win that game, they're champions. Yeah. Or if Köln, who are in 10th place, beat Bayern Munich. That's not happening. I don't think the latter is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Which means Dortmund win the league if Dortmund beats Mainz on the last day of the season. And I ask you, Joe, are they going to do it? <sighs> Listen, Dortmund... I throw not... it to you, bro. I've set the stage. I've told you all the context I, yeah. you need to know about the Bundesliga. And here we are, 70 points to Dortmund. Yes. 68 points to Bayern Munich. If they are, if they are level on points, Bayern will win the league because... I mean, they're way ahead on, on head-to-head. And on goal difference, they have like 30 more goals, basically. There's such a huge gap in terms of goal difference that it's not even comparable. Dortmund need to win the game to win the league. Are they going to do it? Is it home or away? The last game of the season for Dortmund, Dortmund yeah. will play in a home game. They're winning the league. On their own turf, bro. Signal yeah. Iduna Park, stand-up, 75,000 Germans bouncing. For 90 plus minutes. It's going to be flares. Because Jude Bellingham didn't play today and it was telling. They won today, but they look yeah. like a completely different side without Jude Bellingham. I think I know. Jude will be back for that final game next Saturday. His last game. But I don't know, man. I think they'll they'll do great. Yeah. Last game. His last game. It's going to drop like a fucking <laughs> master class, bro. Get ready. <laughs> they really screwed Marco up uh, Bayern, bro. They screwed up. I badly. need Marco Royce. I need to see. I need to see Marco Royce win this league, bro. Yeah, me too. Think of the journey that that dude has had. I know, the loyalty he's had. to come through it. It's just incredible, bro. They need a lot of credit, too, to be honest here. Because what Dortmund have done, they didn't give up at any point in the season. Like, they had a lot of adversity. Like, we joke about their own back line. They went undefeated for, I don't know how long. Yeah. Right, they're not supposed to be competing with Bayern. Bayern are so much better than them. They're so much better than Mm -hmm. them, Joe. And they just figure it out. And the fact that you have the likes of Julian Brandt, who came in, bro. Julian Brandt has, let's see, eight goals. Sorry, nine goals and eight assists from center midfield. Jude Bellingham, eight goals and four assists from center midfield. Rafael Guerrero, 12 goals. Sorry, 12 assists and three goals playing mostly as a center midfielder. Their midfield has been, pro- has been productive. Their offense, they've been spreading goals throughout the whole team. 
all of this contributing to the fact that they can't keep goals <laughs> out. And now they're about to dethrone Bayern from 10 feeding, bro. And I'm so damn excited about it because it's in their own hands. The thing is, the Dortmund thing to do here is to lose it. it they're bottlers, eh? It's to not win on the uh, last day of the season. I really hope that Mainz just kind of... I really hope... It's it's really up to Mainz. It, it is. Decided, no, for real. For real. You know what, bro? Enough of Bayern. Like, if they're just like, you know what, bro? Beat us. We're together. Like, we have nothing else to play for. We're finishing mid-table anyway. <laughs> just let's just, just dethrone Bayern Munich here. Dortmund, we want you to have this. Joe, that'd be everything. That'd be everything, bro. <laughs> so funny, bro. That'd be so funny. Yeah, they, they, they have right? to. Can you the imagine? only way they to just win wear, is... like all of them oh. just have F Bayern t-shirts underneath their jerseys. They lift them up. <laughs> F you Bayern. They just concede 10-0 every they're celebrating with Dortmund after every goal. Like, yeah, you guys are gonna do it. You guys are gonna win the league. Oh, bro, God, this bro. is what I mean. They're going to uh they're gonna have to team up. Mines is gonna have to collab, do a uh Dortmund collab together. Yeah. And they're like, Yeah, let's celebrate all together. Everyone, everyone goes in mm-hmm. with the fans. God damn, bro. But it's exciting. I think I should watch that game. The only Bundesliga game this year. You should. You should come over. Yeah. Come yeah, on. We should watch, we'll watch it. Watch it together, bro. We'll take TJW bites. Come watch. I'll give you all the context you need. I yeah, know, bro. exactly, bro. Make the TJW bites. <laughs> anyway, so that's where we're at now. What That's what each of the sides did to get to this point. And I can't say either of them did right to become the champion because now it's in their own hands. I think it's mostly to Dortmund here, right? What Bayern did right this season, they adjusted as best they could to the Lewandowski absence. They yeah. didn't accept the, you know, basically complacency. And I don't want to discredit Nagelsmann because he did a really good job in the Champions League. But he Bayern did. Munich were like, listen, it's too competitive. This is not supposed to be competitive. We need Thomas Tuchel to come in and lock this thing up, which is an important adjustment that they had to make because they just basically went, yo, like, we don't want to be competitive. We want to have Thomas Tuchel. And now if they have to sacrifice the league for this year, it will be a devastating season for them. Not winning the league, not winning the Champions League is not what Bayern Munich do. Yeah. Every year, they're supposed to be guaranteed a significant trophy for them, and they haven't done that this year. And, bro, even look at the business they did. Like, bro, they just went out into January and picked up a Joao Cancelo. You know, they're just like, eh, let's go get a Joao Cancelo. Let's go get the best at the time fullback on planet Earth. Just because. And they still just lost. Because. And Dorman, how do they respond? How do they respond? 10 wins to kick off 2023. Put them right in that conversation. Put them right in that picture and never, ever, ever let they it kept give up. It going. going. It's not in your hands anymore because if Byron slip up, we can still win this. And they freaking did, Joe, and they're one game away from it now. I'm, I'm so proud it. of I them. I have a Dorman jersey. I might wear this next week. Yeah. I might wear this Marco Royce jersey. <laughs> may wear the Michael Royce, bro. Come on. I have a Dorman jersey, bro. They deserve it, man. They absolutely deserve it. There's two teams left that I want to talk about if we move away from this. Yeah. But I mean, do you have any final thoughts on the Bundesliga before we do? Uh, screw that league. Next. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, no. Exciting. Exciting. Nothing really to say. All right. Uh, let's go to PSG. Because PSG have not been brought up in this. And you might think to yourself, why the hell not, Nathan? Why have... Are you telling me PSG have not won the league this year? I actually want to ask you, Joe, instead of rating... Instead of me listing all the things that they have done, it's actually where they went wrong this season because PSG should have had this locked up a long, long time ago and they didn't, and they still don't. And the fact is like Lons who are in second place will probably not win. Mm -hmm. Probably not. Mm -hmm. It's very, very likely PSG are like six points clear. They don't need that many more points to become champions, but it's competitive. And it looked like a while back that it was like, yo, are are PSG actually going to bottle this? Because for PSG to PSG to lose Liga is a bottle, right? Like they can't do that. They crashed with the Champions League. A lot went wrong, but I know you're a very opinionated person. Do you have any thoughts on PSG this season, especially domestically Champions League? Because, bro, they didn't win anything yet. Yeah, they're they're losers. Plain and simple. <laughs> yeah, they're just a bunch of losers. There's nothing to say. You know, um, 
and that goes to their owners their owners don't don't know how mm. to make the right moves they hire the racist as a manager and then they're like uh surprised about it yo then... <laughs> are you surprised no are you surprised uh, not not that they hired a racist as their manager because that's yeah. that's a whole other point of contention for what's going yeah. on in the squad but let's afford you know the benefit of the doubt here to, to the whole team they're in the all season, we weren't critical of psg's transfer window we were actually very, very complimentary of their season. No, we, we were looking forward uh, to it. We, thought... we said they did everything. They got the best fullback pairing that they could possibly get. They have the biggest superstars. They got really decent, decent defenders, right? And we basically went, well, where are they weakest? They need transitional midfielders. They need midfielders that can not only pass, not only be composed, but carry the ball up when they need to, to, to partner Verratti. Mm. They had that. Who else? They promoted uh, Zaire Emery, who's been fantastic, even though he's only 16. They bought Fabian Ruiz, Carlos Soler, and Vitinha all in the same window. And you're like, dude, you want it. all these guys you are ballers. It. Like, this is so much depth in this one position. It is the same responsibility. Where did it go wrong? How would PSG not run away you, with this? You know thing? where it went wrong, Nathan? Is they didn't let go. Tell me. They bought, but they never let go. The player, there are mm. players in that team that don't want to be there. Okay, clearly Mbappe didn't want to be there. Okay, okay, we have Messi yeah. barely in it, barely mentally in it. But the incentive they give them mm. was money, of course. Uh, the owners went right. all political talking to the president to keep Mbappe in France, and I don't know what when he right. wanted to leave, it was done. He would have been in Madrid maybe now, who knows, right? Um they just don't clear out. They bring in, but they never clear out. And that's one thing I notice about uh, PSG. Who goes and buys PSG players, Nathan? When was the last time? I think I, I can't remember like a big, the one of their big players who bought a PSG player other than PSG buying every player in the world. Good question. That's a very good question. This is what I mean. Taylor Navas loan? went on loan okay. right, to Nottingham Forest. But yeah, if you go through it, you're right. A lot of these... What's the last one? Icardi went on loan you to see, Galatasaray. Nobody, nobody, they buy, but they never leave. And they never right. leave. There's not and they never absences. have players they leave for profit either. It, the structure is mm. an unsustainable structure since the purchasing of the club. It is not a, a normal structure. Mm. I'm not surprised anymore that they're losing games because there's no identity there. Yeah, PSG have ultras. Yeah, this, yeah, that. They've changed the manager a couple of times. There's reasons why successful managers cannot have success in PSG. There's a structural right. problem and they shouldn't be buying flashy players anymore. They should start from the bottom, grassroots. I'm talking like blow it up and, and rebuild. They have a fantastic it's, academy. They have a fantastic, have a fantastic academy, academy that where that goes to Bayern Leverkusen, yep. that goes to everywhere else but PSG. <laughs> yeah. You know, so it, yep. that it goes, goes to the Bundesliga. Bundesliga. That's exactly, exactly where it goes. Christopher bro, Nkunku, bro. Uh, uh, Diaby went to Leverkusen, right? Yeah. So they, it's on them at yep, the end of yep. the day. They have a structural problem and they have players that don't want to be there. A, we have PSG ultras calling Messi an ass, uh, going in front of Neymar's house. A million, a million things, bro. Because mm. they're going for stardom and they think this is the NBA. It isn't the NBA. Okay, you're going to get your jersey sales, but yeah. this ain't it, bro. You're, you're crashing out of the round of 16 right. most of the time. I think quarterfinals is the mm. max they went. And this goes to Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who was talking talking all that shit years ago. I, I, I don't I don't forget that stuff too. I'm like tight. I won't forget that shit. Yeah. But um but <laughs> you just buy a bunch of stars, then what? Now what? You know, you can have you have the manager, you have all that, but 
You don't give him a season to really figure out what's going on. You have Messi is so lethargic in PSG. Messi, watching Messi in PSG makes me want to mm. kill myself. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I had to say that, but like it's actually the worst thing ever. It sucks. It's so bad. Like we, we make fun of Ronaldo and stuff, but I think Messi in PS in PSG specifically, like you have to like ask questions. So it's a million things. Uh, Joe, he's got 15 goals and 15 assists. Yeah, bro. It's not good enough. He's played like nine yeah. times, bro. No, he's not no, good no, 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 no. <laughs> listen to me. Listen to me, bro. Listen to me. It's not about that. It's about <laughs> it's about the Champions League specifically. I don't really care about the league. Mm. I'm. This is all in the base of the Champions League. Right, but they haven't won the league either. Normally, like, okay, you crash out of the Champions League. It's a whole other thing we talk but about. But then that's the structural like, to problem. To not get it done too. in your own domestic league, bro. It's a structural thing, bro. The, how much credit needs to be? How much credit needs to be given to to Lens, who, to be fair, are four points back, not six, which means that. To be fair, like PSG basically just need a point. No, right? like as soon as PSG get one point, they will they will win this league right now. But we have to also I want you to consider this for, for one second. Lois Appenda has who's 23-year-old Belgian striker, 19 goals and three assists in the league this season. That's a phenomenal return. Seko Fafana, who people are like, bro, who? One of our own, by the way, Man, Man City <laughs> Academy graduate, just by the way. 28 years old from Ivory Coast. Seven goals and five assists, but not just that, like production, but a boss in the middle of the park. You know, I rate those like yeah, bosses yeah, yeah, in the middle yeah. of the park. But Lance should have real, really no business competing with PSG, but yet they've put it on them. Now, PSG realistically probably win the league today if, if they draw, because at 84 points, Lance will only be able to get 84 max, and PSG's goal difference is like 20 better than them. So at this mm -hmm. point, it's pretty much job done for, for PSG. Yeah. But bro, this was close. This was down to the wire. They had to unsuspend Messi. Because they were yeah. like, yo, hold on. What if we lose? What if we lose? That's crazy. So this, it's on them. Listen, bro. At the end of the day, Messi's fantastic, all that. But I, I'm just talking specifically. Uh, fair play to all the French teams that compete with PSG in this league, uh, to be honest with you. Because yeah, the right. they, they always deserve, deserve all honest. of them. And winning them, whoever wins deserves the most credit, too. Because the purchasing power is just unbelievable like i think the quality of players and everything compared to the rest of it, it's it's bad but yeah. well, it's second to none none of the other teams in the league have yeah. purchasing power they all just trust their academies and promote young players who end up being superstars psg are the only team right. that go out and buy really expensive yeah, players I, I, right like even marseille they might go shop abroad and stuff but they don't buy expensive and players the, and this is they what can't. i mean like uh, we don't buy players from psg PSG buys players from us. And that's the system. That system yeah. alone and that phrase alone is what's wrong with the team completely. That just yeah. emph emphasizes the whole structure of problem that they have. They do not have talent to distribute. They purchase the talent and make it rot. It, it rots. Well, you know what, bro? Let's let's give credit where credit is due. Mbappe, 28 goals and four assists. The problem is no one's going to no. care because he's supposed to do that in the league. The same Messi thing goes too, for yeah. Messi, right? 15 goals. And 16 assists coming from basically Cam, but he's just walking, walking most seriously. Of the games and yeah. stuff. Like, he, bro doesn't care. But we know Messi's yeah, doing he, side he, quests. He, this is he's side doing side quests yeah. at this point. He's, he's won everything that there is for him to do. I think, bottom line for PSG, what they did right this season, I guess, was just they had so much more quality that over 38 weeks they are better than any other side because nobody else has players of calibers anywhere near Messi. Or Mbappe, or even the ones who they brought in, bro. Even like Vitinha, Sanchez of the world. People like, don't have this? these players, bro. Hakimi, Nuno Menge, Sergio Ramos. Like, bro, I can't really give credit to to PSG in the same way because 
the fact is they were competitive and they shouldn't have been because they should have run away with this a long, long time ago. Long time ago. You're absolutely right to criticize the mentality of PSG, to criticize their structure and their approach. It has done them. I think if you ask them, has it has it been a success? They might not say yes, even though they've won the league just domestically. They've also lost it twice in the last 10 years to a Monaco side that, that ended up being pretty sick in hindsight and a Lille yeah. side that ended up being pretty sick in hindsight. But nonetheless, none of them had the star power that PSG did or the purchasing power. So I think you're absolutely right. This league shouldn't be competitive. And the fact that PSG made it competitive was, doesn't add to parity in the league. It adds to, to, P, to the case against PSG and the fact that no one cares for any of their accomplishments. 100%. Right? And uh, next year is going to be the same thing, Nathan, because this summer they're going to sign another mm. 100 million player or whatever. It's not going to be, I don't know. Uh, their, their activity on the transfer market has honestly been kind of pathetic. But yeah, that's it. I, I wonder what they're going to do. I just wonder what they're going to do. I wonder how they're going to approach this summer. If they're if they're seriously going to take a look at just clearing out stars, because it's not mm-hmm. like they need money. They're not going to sell anybody for money just for the sake of calibrating their club and trying to promote. Because don't forget, PSG fans don't want the superstars. PSG fans are going to Neymar and Messi's house to that's tell them, get out. We want more of our academy players to do the thing. They are rooted in their own culture they want to see more parisian born players come in and kick ass and not to mention transfer the ones who have come back out go get the french stars that's who we want to be that's how we want to see this team succeed so the fans even have a different identity of what the club should be than than the than the club hierarchy there's there's problems all over the place the thing is they're going to keep winning leagues like what are yeah, we going to yeah. do psg are going to keep winning leagues so they're going to it's just a matter of how they get it done because much like we were talking about with city having to not cheat their way to the final, but actually earn every step of the way, be the best side that everybody can see and be like, all right, well, it's their turn now. PSG are still nowhere near that. And as much as we might get invested in the hype from the transfer windows and going, now they have all the pieces, there's no substitute for pedigree and for earning it. You must earn your trophies. Did they do that in the league this year? Yes, I guess, because they're just miles better than everybody else. But they haven't earned a damn thing. And certainly not our like the, the respect of everybody else viewing them. They won't care what we have to say any more than we value their achievements because we go, who cares? Yeah, exactly. Right, like doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Ultimately. Uh, final thoughts on PSG before I talk about one final one and I just want to wrap up with, with yeah, my boys here on uh, Benfica. Nah, That's let's switch to, to Benfica, honestly. Yeah. Can we? Here's the thing, because I don't want to spend too much time on this because it's technically not one of Europe's top five leagues. Though, if you go by the coefficient, we technically did boot PSG and Ligar out of here. Yeah. So this is it, bro. <laughs> Prestigious top five here for for the Liga Nocher, for the Liga the Primera. What Benfica did this season, and they don't they haven't won the league yet. They play sporting 30 minutes from the time that I'm saying this. Okay. The the Lisbon Derby takes place in 30 minutes. If Benfica win, they win the league. That's a big nah, thing. Yeah. Right? You want to win the league. You want to win the league in a derby, bro. That's like winning the league in a Manchester derby. But not just that, it's at sporting. So you want to walk into their house and win the league on their ground because that's winning the league at China. Yeah, that's what you want to do. What Benfica did this season, the Royer Schmidt system that he came in and implemented, I think brought Benfica back away from where they went last season. Where they went was slightly away from what Benfica have been for a long, long time, which was promoting their youth and being good. Benfica went out and bought players. And people were like, what are you doing? You, You don't buy players. You promote players. And you sell them like Benfica are the, are the biggest talent factory in the world. But they went out. Remember when they went out and bought Jan Vertonghen and they went out and bought Otamendi and people were like, really, that's mm-hmm. what we're doing here. Like we're going to do this stuff. That's not what, that's not 
what Benfica are supposed to be about. What Royer Schmidt did is basically like, yo, let me come in, lay some tactics on these youngins and give a chance to the senior players in the squad that are here now, but not ones who we've gone out, ones that have been here, okay? So we have to first give credit to the pivot because I think the pivot set them up really, really nicely for success. The fact that they had Enzo Fernandez before Enzo Fernandez was Enzo Fernandez. When only we, and by we, I mean me in August, talking about Enzo Fernandez is that guy. Trust me, watch yeah. what he's about to do. And then he he became the most expensive player in Premier League history yeah. four months later because the World Cup, right? Him and Florentino Perez, the pivot, the Florentino Perez, Perez the yeah. pivot that these two dudes made. Like, I've, dude, I don't know. Something about hearing Florentino, I will say it every single time. Florentino <laughs> Luis, every single time that these dudes, that's funny. I just picked it's so funny, park. Every single time I see Florentino, I, that comes out and I'm like, oh, for God's sakes. These two dudes was the perfect pivot system, right? Enzo could, could work to all of his best attributes. Enzo is not the most agile player, but Enzo has the lungs to move when you give him the chance to. I still don't think Chelsea have given him that chance. On the ball, he's fantastic. So he's heart, he's lungs, and he's brains. That's what Enzo is. You put him next to a destroyer six in particular, and, and Florentino, and I'm just going to call him Florentino for the sake of confusion for everybody else. We'll call Hello. him Flo. <laughs> He's the, yeah. he's the antithesis. He's the octopus. That's what his nickname is. Bro just runs and tackles all the time, but he's not a physical monster. He's more of like, yeah. like a Caicedo, like just a runner who's, who's more like as the, mm -hmm. as the athletic build, not the, not the stocky build. Okay. Not super strong, but never stops moving. This pivot set the team up for success because even once Enzo left, they understood what the responsibility had to be. They put the world on notice with their Champions League campaign. They, they, they held PSG back. They beat the breaks off Juve. They went far enough into the competition until the Champions League finalist ended up outclassing them over two legs. I'm not upset about Benfica's Champions League final run. In the meantime, Gonzalo Ramos emerged. Because yes. There's always a new one coming Amazing. from the Benfica Academy. The Joao Mario revenge, revenge. arc is incredible, Correct. bro. Joao Mario was a laughing stock. We hated Joao Mario. I hated Joao Mario, bro. You know how much I hated this dude? He's got 17 goals this season, Joe. Your Cam has 17 goals and six assists. He's 30 years old. That's a freaking ball. Rafa Silva has been fantastic, obviously, because he just has the opportunity to dance in the middle of the park. <laughs> same thing. He, he fell out of the team. Then he came back to the team. He's got like 15 goal involvements from that, from that position, not even as, as a locked-in player. Antonio Silva spawned out of nothing, spawned out of nowhere, right? Dude came out as a, as a proper world-beater center back from Benfica way. Bay, and nobody <laughs> even saw it. And Benfica, most importantly, rediscovered this identity. We're going to promote the youngins. We're not going to rely on transfers that we've brought in, but rather making the stage for these players to go earn big moves because that's what we're all about here. And ultimately, Benfica it, like, are not in the, the most comfortable position. They probably would have won the league a long time ago if Enzo had stayed because they're only one point ahead of Porto. But Porto have played okay. one more game. So if Benfica win today on game week 33 out of 34, because in the Primera, it's, it's that. If Benfica win today, Benfica win the league. If not, Benfica have to win the league next week because Benfica, it's still in their hands. So it's still with them. I would love for it to be at <laughs> I'm I sure would you love would. for it to be in Lisbon, at Sporting, to have it be. But ultimately, it won't matter. I think that Benfica still have an opportunity to lose the league here, which is not ideal. And Porto need a lot of credit because, bro, they have not lost a game since February. Okay? And even the game that they did lose in February is their only loss dating all the way back to October. So think about that. Since October 21st, right? That was when they lost. So we'll call it from October 22nd. Yeah. They have not lost a game since February. That's their only loss. It's late May at this the time of recording this. 
Porto deserve a lot of That's credit actually for what low they were key. able to do as yeah. well. I can't discredit that, but this is not about that because yeah. they're in second. And if Benfica win today, Benfica win the league. league. So Benfica had to outlast these dudes who came back and haven't lost a damn game. And Benfica have been really, Killers. really damn good too. And the fact that they were able to outlast this opponent here because Porto, we can't forget, listen, are, are actually a really decent side. They're actually like, oh, I, I don't like them, but yeah, they lost once, Joe, since October 22nd. But that's a lot of draws, probably. That's crazy. Okay. So to outlast that pressure on you from a young core, especially coming in, what are you going to say? Pretty good. What are you going to say? I Do know. Nothing. Hands, nothing, up, hands held These up. These are the boys. Respect. Hands respect. held up. Nothing but respect for the boys, bro. This is it. This is this what the Drizzle Podcast is all about. That's all I, I got it, for you, bro. We, we got a lot of champions this week. <laughs> that were crowned this week, I guess. Whole point, yeah. bro. Yeah, That's I know. Exactly. I know. And Benfica, at the time of recording this, Benfica can still be crowned. PSG will be crowned at the time of recording this. Let I'm talking specifically today. We got take them we, ahead. City. Yeah. We got PSG City, probably. PSG and Benfica. And Benfica. That's crazy. Today. That's crazy. That's and true. Bayern, if they won yesterday, would have been crowned champions yesterday. yesterday. That's why I scheduled this for this weekend. I thought that this would be the champions coronation episode. Yeah. I, th- I thought that that's what this would be. Mostly it has been. Hopefully it ends up being for one more team today. Dortmund. On the red side of Lisbon. No. <laughs> that takes us all the way home. Episode number 195 of the Jersey Wall podcast is officially in the books. And as always, I've been your host, Mr. Nathan Santos. Joe, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, bro. I can't wait for the uh, Champions League uh, preview episode because that's going to be a big one. And we're yeah. going to go through everything. Hopefully Mina joins one. us uh, for that so we can uh, coordinate your uh, trouble. <laughs> hopefully i hope that that the that the uh the torch is passed that week brethren we love you we miss you we'll see you next week minas will be back next week it's not a problem there today we talked about the things the champions of europe's top leagues did right this season and what you did right this week guys was listening to the drizzle <laughs> we absolutely love you we thank you for tuning in make sure to find our socials in the link in the description and we'll see you next time right here on the drizzle podcast we love you <laughs>